Welcome to our Streams International Ministry Podcast with Prophet Jared Nusulu, PhD, and Prophetess Gabriella Nusulu. Experience prophetic revelation teachings, personal prophecies, healing, deliverance, breakthrough. You are now listening to a teaching recorded at one of our live church services. Today, I'm beginning a new topic. How many enjoyed the resurrection topic? That was a dynamite. Oh, yes. Powerful. So today we are beginning a new topic. And this is grace for reigning. Grace for reigning. I think probably this will be one of the most important topics God will talk to you this year. And it's not very usual That prophets or men of God, they share from a place of weakness. But allow me to share from a place of weakness. Are you hearing me? Everyone loves to come on the pulpit and talk about their exploits. But me, I'll talk about where I failed. Because where I failed is where I learned. That your salvation grace is not all there is. I don't know whether you understand. I am a firstborn in a family of eight. So, you can imagine. My secondborn sister was the first one to become born again in our family. Way back, probably 1991, 92, around thereabouts. She was just a young girl in high school. I was also in high school, but I was uh, ahead of her. And um, after she became born again, she was on fire like nobody's business. And we didn't like it. Because myself and our parents were coming, were coming from a Presbyterian background where nobody was born again where nobody had to speak in tongues. So, we began to persecute her. So, when I say persecution is real, I mean it is real. I was one of the persecutors. We made her life hell at home. But um, little did I know that she had a strategy. The strategy was to target me with a prayer and fasting and sharing the gospel. So she had a team of young girls in her high school that were praying for me and fasting for me every week. And they were sending me letters sharing the gospel with me every week. I read their letters a few first, few first weeks. After that, each time it comes, it went straight to the bin. Because I didn't want to hear anything anymore. Are you hearing me? And then, somehow, God seemed to answer their prayer. <laughs> I became born again. 
And I had one of the biggest encounters with divinity. That every yoke, every bondage in my life was broken. Not only that, I began to bubble with joy that I could not close my mouth. I had to physically put my hand on my mouth so I could shut up. I remember I walked back to my hostel, sat down in my room, and I was laughing as if I was on the ice multiplied by 10. <laughs> and my friends came to take some of the ice. <laughs> they said, what are you on? I said, on what? They said, no, 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 no. G- give us some of the things that you have taken. <laughs> I said, no, I am born again. They could not believe it that I was born again because I was one of the most difficult students in the high school. A very difficult student. Anyway, but the more they talked to me, the more I became even more crazy. Because <laughs> I was just laughing. Now, we went home and I told my sister, guess what? I am born again. She could not even believe it herself because of how I used to be. I became born again, and then we, the two of us formed a team to target the children in the family. So we began to target one by one, and one by one they began to become born again, each one of them, until everybody became born again except mom and dad. But by the grace of God, my spiritual growth just took off. And the reason why it took off so fast was because I was having encounters almost every single day. In dreams, in visions. Talking about even when I'm walking on the road like this. I'm talking about walking on the road. Not sleeping. Not, no, I'm talking about daylight walking on the road. I would have divine encounters. So my life just took off. And God gave me a spiritual father in the first week of me being born again. At that time, I didn't even know there was something called a spiritual father. But God spoke to me and said, this one is your spiritual father. So I spoke to him. I said, God has spoken to me that you are my spiritual father. He said, all right, young man. That was on a Sunday. He said, on Saturday, we're going to the mountain for prayer and fasting. Wow. I'm like, what did I get myself into? <laughs> now, if you see me like a praying machine today is because of that man of God. The man of God could pray. He was a praying machine. First times I went with him to pray in the mountain, I was a mess. Because I couldn't handle the prayer. But little did I know that prayer can be received by impartation. When you are among people who pray, you also begin to pray. How many of that that's true? When you are in a prayerless church, you capture their temperature. You also become cold. But where the temperature is high, you also capture their temperature. You also become what? Hot. So that's how I was introduced to this whole stuff. But now, a few years later, I remember very clearly that um, I loved my sister so much. 
I loved her because she was not just a sister. She was like the key for my salvation. And the two of us, we formed a formidable team. And people are becoming born again like on a daily basis. We would organize dinner at our house and then invite people to come after they have eaten their food. When they can't run away, we would start preaching to them. Amen. <laughs> they have eaten our food. How can they say no to our Jesus? They were becoming born again like crazy. We were preaching. At the, at, we had a Christian fellowship where different people from different denominations would meet on a Sunday afternoon. We were on fire there, just young people at that time. But a few years, two, 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 two years later, I remember one morning my sister invited us to her bedroom, me and my mother. So she had been not feeling well, she was sick. And then she invited us to her bedroom. So we entered the bedroom, sat down on the bed. She said, Mom and my brother, I want to tell you something today that I've never told anybody. So me, oh, I know Jesus loves me. You know, Jesus is good. Jesus is powerful. That's why I knew. She said, you have seen me being sick. I know the reason why I'm sick. She said, I'm HIV positive. And um, the way I got the HIV is I went to the hospital and the person who was treating me raped me. And uh, that person was positive. So I ended up also becoming positive. That was one of the most difficult days in my life to hear the whole thing. I remember we looked at each other with mom. Nobody knew what to say. I didn't know what to say. My mom didn't know what to say. I was probably the better one to say something because I was the speech one. But mom didn't know what to say. There was silence in the room. Because in those days, there were no ARVs. Not a single ARV. There was no any protocol, any treatment, nothing. You knew that when a person is HIV positive, it's five years. You later start counting. Five years, they are gone. And you also count how many admissions they'll get admitted. How many times they'll be sick before they die. Life became very difficult from that day. Because me being a Christian who believe in healing, me being a Christian who believe in deliverance, me being a Christian that I have seen people being healed. I was just young in the Lord, but I have seen a lot of miracles. Talking about walking in the supernatural, having encounters of the divine nature. I immediately began to pray for her healing. And um, I prayed and I fasted. I prayed and I fasted. I prayed and I fasted. I remember recruiting my friends, a team of us, and would go to the mountain to pray and to fast. But as we continue to pray and to fast, my sister continued to go downhill. Prayer seemed not to work at all. The Jesus I had come to believe in seemed not to be responding to my prayer. I remember, although I was the leader of the group of the people to go and pray, there were times when I dreaded going to the mountain for prayer because I felt like a hypocrite. 
I was trying to pray to a God I didn't believe in much anymore. It was very painful. Very, very painful. Very, very painful. So she would be admitted at the hospital. And then we would go see her every single day. Spend time with her every single day. But you could see she's going what? Downhill. And one day she came from the hospital. She said, Mom, you know what? I'm remaining with the two more hospitalizations. I'll be, I'll be hospitalized. I'll come back. And then the last one, I'll be gone. I didn't know what to do with that. I was in college, so I went back to college, came back on holiday. And she was in her room. I went to see her. She had the pretty much, she was alive, but she had it dried up. You know? You know, straight. But she was alive. So I remember that day she was so scared that she was dying. And she came to me. I was sitting in the lounge room. She said, can you pray for me? I am dying. I don't want to die. Pray for me. So I began to pray for her out of desperation. I was so desperate. When I said out of desperation, what I thought was faith in me, everything that I thought this is what faith is, I used it on that day to pray for my sister. The good news is she softened a little bit, but it wasn't like a complete healing per se. I remember that day she said, I don't want you to go anywhere. You stay here, and I want to connect to you. So I sat in a chair. She put her leg, touching my leg. She said, I just want to connect to you today. So I stayed home the whole day with her touching my leg or me touching her because she just wanted to connect to me. I went back to college. And after going back to college, I continued praying for her. And then I heard that she was in the hospital. She had been admitted. She had told mom that was the last admission she would ever have at the hospital. I was praying. I was praying. You know, sometimes we feel discouraged. But somewhere, somehow, we still find the strength to rise up again and to pray. So that day, I began to pray for my sister. I remember waking up early in the morning in college. I didn't go to the chapel. I used to go to the jungle to pray. So I was in the jungle praying. Jungle. That was on a Wednesday morning. And as I was praying, God spoke to me and said, Hey, Jared, your sister has chosen to come home. I said, what? He said, your sister has chosen to come home. I'm going to take her home. I... Stopped praying, sat down on the rock. All my energy, all my strength was gone. I just sat down there. After some time, I went back to my room, showered, went, went to the library. That was on a Wednesday morning. Attended my classes the whole day. Thursday, I told myself today I will not even wake up. I switched off the alarm, slept. On a Friday morning, the usual time I wake up for prayer, I went back to pray. And that day the Lord told me, just begin to thank me because today I'm taking your sister home. I'm like, okay. So that day I didn't ask for anything. I didn't break. I didn't bind. I just started thanking God, worshiping God. And um, 
I finished my prayer session, showered, library. As I sat in the library at 26 minutes past 8 in the morning, God spoke to me, I am taking your sister now. I looked at the watch, recorded the time, 8.26. I came out of the library to go look for a phone. that I, you know, In those days, we didn't have mobile phones. They were both and what, what. So I went to look for a phone. I found a phone. And um, as I sat there, waiting for an opportunity to, ring, to make a, con- a phone call home, someone called from home on that line where I was. This was just a random department in college. They said, we are looking for Gerald. He said, no, Gerald is here. So she gave me the phone. And this guy said, your sister has passed on. So I said, okay, what time was it? It was, eight, it was 26 minutes past 8. The exact moment God was talking to me. Now you can imagine the confusion in me from the prayer point of view that I was praying for healing. But still God is talking to me about my sister going home. But this is the same God I am praying to for my sister to be healed. Where was the, the disjointedness? If this is the God I'm talking to, and he's talking to me about taking my sister, or he doesn't have the power to heal. Doesn't he have the power to turn things around? Are you hearing what I'm saying? It was a very, very difficult time for me. Although I had a very brave face, but I told myself I will not cry. I will not, no, I will not even shed a single tear. I refused to cry. I remember attending the funeral. My mom said, no, you need to be coming now. So I had to leave college to save hours on the bus, going back home. At that time, we had just started our relationship with my, my wife. She was my girlfriend, probably for what? For just two, three months. She said, I'm coming with you. So that's how my parents first saw my wife. That time she was my girlfriend. They saw her for the first time on my sister's funeral. So we went, did everything, came back to college. But my faith started going down. I had a big problem to reconcile between the God who took my sister and the God I was praying to. I had a big, big problem to reconcile the two. My faith just went downhill. I wasn't interested anymore in prayer. I wasn't interested anymore in preaching. I wasn't interested anymore in reading the Bible. Because I had so many questions in my mind. I could not reconcile the two. The praying, the fasting that I had done for my sister still. She went. So when God was talking to me about grace for reigning, he took me back through the whole journey that I had gone through with my sister. And uh, he said there are many people who face the same problem, failing to reconcile the God that we talk about and their personal experiences. This good, loving God, this powerful God versus a time of loss, a time when we lose our loved ones. 
we do have a lot of questions. A lot of questions that sometimes we don't have answers to. But I want you to pay attention. Because I said many men of God, we love to talk about our triumphs. And our mountaintop experiences. But we never share about our weaknesses. It was a very difficult time for me. I remember going back to college. I'm like, what am I here for? Is it even worth studying anyway? Is it even worth graduating? Is it worth even getting a degree? What for? Is it even worth calling myself a Christian? What for? How, how am I going to stand and preach that God is a healing God when God has not healed my sister? How am I going to stand and preach about the love of God looking at the experience of my sister? I think she passed when she was 23, 24. At the prime of her life. My sister was very beautiful. Very beautiful. You know when your brother knows that your sister is beautiful. My sister was beautiful. Because she is more beautiful than her, you know. So when I had to find a wife, I had to find someone who was above my sister. So it worked well. <clears throat> it was a very difficult time for me. But I was in college, so I had to finish my uni, finished uni, went back to home. Home was, ne- home was never the same again. It was just never the same again without her. Because she was my right-hand person. Me and her were inseparable. We raided the devil's kingdom together. We planned events, crusades. We planned invasions of villages. I remember we could walk from village to, walking on foot, village to village, preaching the gospel, the two of us. Life was never the same again. It was never the same. So I began working. No, there was just an empty emptiness in my spirit. There was an emptiness. It was a country what had just happened. But over the years, fast forward, I will not talk about the loss of my mother. I will not talk about the loss of my mother-in-law. But over the years, I have come to understand something. That from God's point of view, from God's point of view, something that we consider a loss, us, on the physical side, for him is not a loss. Because the only chance the devil has to get you is when you're still alive. The moment you cross that line, you go to the other side. The devil has lost a big time. He has lost a big time. And I've come to understand that God made provision for us for those times through the comfort of the Holy Spirit. 
So sometimes we get so hard on ourselves, condemning ourselves, blaming ourselves, questioning ourselves, when actually we just need to begin to receive the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Because I've come to know and understand I am what I am today because of the positive and negative experiences that I've gone through in life. I am able to empathize with you. I am able to stand with you in your difficult times because I went through difficult times. I am able to persevere in prayer. I am able to push in prayer beyond the normal barriers simply because of those difficult times I went through. Whichever way, from God's point of view, an experience is not a loss. You learn something from the experience. You grow from the experience. As I've been studying the scripture, I have discovered something that probably the biggest problem is not the scripture itself, but the people who teach us the scriptures. They don't give us the whole picture of the realities of the realm of the spirit. The reason I'm saying so is because I've come to understand that in as much as we say the name of Jesus is powerful, and I'm not questioning that, it is really, really powerful. But probably there's a qualifying statement yes. that should go with that statement. I don't know the hearing now. I've come to understand when you say God is powerful, God heals, there has to be a qualifying statement that must go with that statement. It's not an open check. Because you are witnesses, there are many times that you have prayed in that name called Jesus. And you haven't seen an answer to your prayer. Should we say the name failed? Should we say the name does not work? The name works. But there's a qualifying phrase that must be added to that. When I was praying for my sister as a young child in, in God, as a young believer, all I knew was I have to pray. And I did that. But probably there was something bigger that I should have known at that point in time. That there's something called grace for reigning. All I had was my salvation grace. Yes. I was saved by the grace of God. That's what I had. And I was using that to appropriate healing. Not even on myself, but on someone else. So you're dealing with um, a problem which is bigger than you. Yes. Because what we think faith is, probably it's not faith. Most of us probably function from believing and not from a place of faith. Believing, believing that God will do something. It's very good and it's wonderful. But it does not solve your problem. What solves your problem is when you have faith. And not just faith, the God kind of faith. Yes. You can believe as much as you want something about me. But how does that change your life? How does that change your life? We can believe as powerful as God is. Yes, he's powerful. There's no question about it. He is powerful. Yes. Are you hearing me? 
He is powerful. There's no question about it. We can believe as much as, but how does his powerfulness change our situation? Isn't it when we begin to tap into his faith that we begin to speak to our mountain? Jesus says, you shall speak to this mountain. Be removed and be cast yonder. And he says, it shall be removed and it shall go. But you see, when you are just a young child, all you know is, in the name of Jesus, come out, in the name of Jesus. No, there is more than just the name of Jesus. Are you hearing me? There is more than just what? The name of Jesus. As I've journeyed in my walk with the Lord, I have come to understand that knowledge is paramount. Knowledge is very important. Because Hosea chapter 4 verse number 6 says what? My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. He doesn't say lack of power or lack of tongues, or lack of the Holy Ghost. No, it's lack of what? Knowledge. Why is that statement so important? It's so important because God has done everything that he could ever do for you and in you. There's no question about God keeping anything from you. He has done everything that he could for you and in you. But the gap is what you know about what God has done in you. Because when you begin to know what God has done in you, it is that knowledge that begins to give birth to faith. That begins to move mountains. I wish I knew what I know now in the days of my sister. Probably history would have been rewritten. The trajectory would have changed. I would have done some things that I didn't do then. Because I was just a little boy in the faith. I didn't understand most of this stuff. All I knew was to pray in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. That's what I knew. But now I know better. Now I know how to turn things around in the realm of the spirit. Now I know how to change your story in the realm of the spirit. But how did I come on that point? I came on that point out of places of weaknesses. Out of places of pain. Out of places of tears. As I was questioning, why did it not work? Why did I fail? I realized that was the most important question for me to ask. Why did it not happen so I can learn? Then why did it not happen so I can blame God? I don't know they're hearing me. The same question, why did it not happen? It can be a blaming question to God. Someone was asking me, why am I sick? God has done this. Why am I? I said, you're asking the wrong question. So they lent. So yesterday they said, prophet, pray for me. I said, there are some questions there for your girlfriend or your boyfriend. Not me. You know, you just want to be naughty to your boyfriend. Why is my leg pending? There's a wound there on the leg. (laughs) What I talk about? (laughs) You just want attention. (laughs) You come to me, talk to me about healing. Let me release it. 
Are you hearing me? Yeah. I wish I knew what I know today in those days. But unfortunately, knowledge, you have to grow into it. Yeah. It's not something that God will give you. There's no gift of knowledge as in that context. I know there's a gift of knowledge, but that's you knowing something about someone by revelation. Yeah. Not you knowing scriptures. <laughs> you have to sit and study. You have to sit and study the scripture. Dig deep. Dig deep. I was explaining to the kingdom of finances yesterday here about understanding. That understanding the key. Understanding is the key. When you understand something, there's a change in you. Amen. People read the scriptures without what? Understanding. People memorize scriptures without what? Understanding. Because understanding is that boom kind of light that enters you. Yes. That you begin to see things clearly. So today, as I finish, I'm looking at Romans chapter 5. From verse number 12 to verse number 21. If you are here for the first time, like in this church, they don't read the Bible. <laughs> Romans chapter 5, from verse number 12. 1, 2, 3, go. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift, for the judgment was by one to condemnation. But the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men, the condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience were many made sinners, so by obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Someone said, Amen. Amen. Now, in short... I'll be explaining that passage the whole month. So don't worry, I'm just laying the foundation today. The simple truth that the Bible is saying there is 
Adam was one man and he committed one offense. But the problem is him being one man committing one offense, the consequences of that one offense that one man did affected the whole of humanity. So if we are 8 billion people today, it affected the 8 billion people. One offense done by one man affecting the whole of humanity. But beyond just affecting the whole of humanity, the Bible tells us something, that through that one offense by one man, death became a king over humanity. Now, death is in two categories. There's spiritual death and then there's physical death. So we know Adam died spiritually that day. And after 900 years, whatsoever, he died physically. But now, the Bible is saying, wait a minute. Although we know that where there's no law, there's no sin. And we know the law came in the days of Moses. But we found that death didn't wait for a law. The moment man sinned, death became a king. And began to reign over humanity. Oh, yes. So there was no law whatsoever in the days of Adam. But people were still what? Dying. In the days of Noah, people were still what? Dying. In the days of Enoch, people were still what? Dying. Methuselah, people were still what? Dying. But you see, they were still dying although there was no law to condemn them. But the act of Adam to disobey the voice of God made death become a king. So death began to reign over all humans. One man, one offense, the whole of humanity affected. I don't know if they're hearing me. Now, in the reverse of that, so I'll call that one, Townsville, can you send me some writing things? Sydney has run out of writing things. <laughs> are you here? We are here, Papa. Are you being blessed? We are very blessed, Papa. You'll never be the same again after this session. I receive. Is it working? Are you sure? That's first Adam. One offense. It affected all what? Humanity. Who became the king? Don't laugh at my crown, okay? So death became the king. Are we together? And then we find the second Adam or the last Adam. The Bible says second and last. So I also put last here because someone said Muhammad was the third Adam. Okay. This second Adam, one man obeyed. Are you hearing me? One man what? Obeyed. And his obedience 
brought righteousness. Are we together? And this righteousness was now applied to what? Now, here it was one offense. Are you hearing me? Here, one man obeyed. But this righteousness came on many people who had many sins. Ah, you're not hearing me. Oh, yes. It came on what? Many people who had what? Many sins. And yet it's only an act of one person. So what the Bible is giving you in that story is the contrast between first Adam and last Adam. That the first Adam committed only one offense. It affected everybody. The second and last Adam, being only one person, obeyed. And his righteousness has wiped out so many sins for so many people. I don't know if they're hearing me. Oh, yes. Now, the third thing that the Bible mentions here is that they that receive, they that receive, give me verse number 17. Abundance of what? Grace. Abundance of grace plus gift of righteousness. Gift of they show what? Rain. Rain and life by one. That's our crown there. That's you wearing a crown. I receive. Shall reign in life. You shall reign where? In life. I love what the Bible says there. So, so, Christ has made two things available. What are they? Grace and what? Righteousness. Now, righteousness is a gift. But grace does not come with a gift of grace. It's just abundance of what? Grace. And then the gift is the gift of what? Righteousness. Which means each one of us, we are given the same gift. The gift of what? Righteousness. No question about it. We receive the same gift. All of us. We are equal in righteousness. You can never be more righteous than you are. You can never be more righteous than Jesus. Forget about your weaknesses. Forget about your, your shortcomings. Forget about what you think you are not very good at. The gift of righteousness has been given to you. It's a gift. But grace, grace is not given to you as a gift. When you go on where the Bible gives you the 12 gifts of the Spirit, nine, nine gifts of the Spirit, in First Corinthians chapter 12, is there grace there? No. And when you go to other passages where they've given you the, the gifts of the Holy Ghost, grace is not one of the gifts. Are you hearing me? So grace has to be accessed 
Yeah, you are not hearing me. Well, how do I know? I know that grace has to be accessed because of one simple word. Someone say receive. Receive. This one here. Because that word that's the concept. That's the concept. I don't know whether you're hearing me. We are following Papa. Is it making sense? Oh yes. Well, I've lost you. We are following. Someone say Lambano. Lambano. One more time, say Lambano. Lambano. Lambano, it means <laughs> to take. It means to get hold of. Mm, you're not hearing me. We are following it means to actively go for it. Yes. Not passively wait for it. Amen. Actively what? Go for it. And not what? Passively wait for it. I don't know the hearing man. Oh, yes. That's why we may be equal in a fellowship, but we shall be different in grace. Oh, yes. Amen. Wow, wow, wow. Because righteousness puts us in the same body of Christ. It gives us the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. But grace is the one that begins to make us differ. Some people have got bigger grace and more grace. Some people have got specific graces to do specific things. So people who flow a lot in healing ministry they had been sick of the same sickness themselves. And they conquered it. Oh, yes. So in other words, when they were praying for healing for themselves, they were accessing grace. They got hold of grace. And they got healed of the sickness. Oh, yes. Now that grace never leaves the person. Wow. He still has the grace. So he goes on to pray for other people. And other people get what? Healed of the same problem. Why? Because they carry the grace. Wow, wow, wow. Are you hearing me? Some people are Kenneth Hagin. If you hear that testimony, it started with the sickness and disease. Almost died. He died three times or whatever it was. Died three times. Then he conquered it. So in his victory, he picked up grace. Oh, yes. Oh, you're not hearing me. Oh, yes. That's why it's a stupid thing to give up. Amen. Because what you don't know is that in that temptation, in that big problem you're facing, there is a window to tap into a higher dimension of grace. When you conquer, you get a hold of the grace. <laughs> Say never. never. Watch out. Watch out. Giving up is very stupid. Because the Bible has already told you the end story. You are more than a conqueror. 
That's the final chapter. You are more than a conqueror. So all you need to do is to persevere. You need to stand your ground up. Keep praying. Keep pressing in. Keep pushing in. Are you hearing me, somebody? Shout yes. Yes. It doesn't matter how dark it may look like. One thing I know. Morning is coming. Weeping and mourning may endure for a night. But joy comes in the morning. Are you hearing me somebody? Shout yes. Yes. It doesn't matter how difficult the illustration may be. You just don't know that when you have conquered that difficulty, oh, yes. there is a grace for you to begin to walk in that dimension. Oh, yes. That's why people have been poor who have struggled with the poverty. When they break through and they become rich, oh, yes. they can lay hands on you and you can begin to walk in the same dimension. Say, so I receive it. I receive it. Someone who doesn't know poverty, hey, 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 you're going to be rich. What are you talking about? What have, do you know a demon of poverty? You Have you ever seen its ugly face railing at you? Ah! When you defeat it, you carry the grace of a victor. <laughs> Shut up! Are you hearing me? Oh, yes. So grace has to be received. Yeah. And the word is lambano. So most of us, we miss the point. Why? Because we are so comfortable with playing church. Yes. So we are okay with a little grace. Like a little mouse. <laughs> we are okay with our little grace. But me, I don't want little grace. Oh, no. Me, I don't want little grace. Oh, no. I want abundance of grace. <laughs> Shout abundance. Much more they. Someone say they. So God is not choosing special people. There's nothing like, oh, I'm highly favored. God will just give me abundance of grace. No. No. It's for those who are hungry for more. Who are going to go after it? They'll run after it. They'll run after it. Are you hearing me? It's a day. Much more they. Say neighbor. Neighbor. I am they. I am they. Not those they. You know those other they. Oh no. Say don't. Don't call, don't call me she. I am very nonsense. Shut up. <laughs> someone, someone was failing to define a woman. Someone sitting in the U.S. Congress failing to define a woman. Someone sitting in Australian Parliament failing to define a woman. Someone who is the top most doctor in Australia failed to define what is a woman. Let me tell you what is a woman. A woman is a man with a womb. Yes. Oh, yes. Amen. Ah, English is my fourth language. 
but I'm intelligent enough to know that a woman is a womb money. So if someone asks you that stupid question, tell them, shut up, shut up, shut up. I know the answer. It is a man with a womb. Shut up, go home, eat McDonald's. Oh, yes. <laughs> Someone say, abundance of grace. Abundance of grace. Revelation by the Holy Ghost. Much more they. You need to begin to understand that unless you begin to conquer, unless you begin to push, unless you begin to lambano, to receive, to receive. Are you hearing me? To what? Receive. Don't be satisfied. Oh yes, amen. Never be satisfied. The first time I did my fasting, I said I will never fast again. <laughs> but when I failed to move some mountains, when I failed to conquer some dimensions, oh, yes. I had to go back on my knees in prayer and fasting. Oh, yes. Because I knew there's something I need to get a hold of. Are you hearing me? When I got hold of that, I was able to do a few things. Until I made a bigger problem. You see, challenges in life, it's a challenge on the grace you have. Every challenge is a challenge of the amount of grace that you carry. That's why there are some things I know at my level, this one, I have to dial dad. Oh, yes. Me also, I've got a spiritual father. Amen. I call him. I say, Dad, listen. This mountain won't budge. I've kicked it. I've pushed it. I've fasted. I have cried. I've jumped. I've prayed with my head down in my legs in the air. It's not moving. <laughs> Haven't you read in your Bible? Do you don't want me to show you? No, how dear you divert me. <laughs> In Ephesians chapter 6, where it talks about the, the weapons, the arm of God, there's every kind of prayer. You know, just prayer. That's what the Bible says. Every type of prayer. <laughs> it's there. Oh, manner of what? Prayer. So there are some prayers you pray in your blankets. Have you? Don't don't look too holy. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Some demons they love that kind of prayer. They say, pray on, hallelujah. We are encouraging you, brother. We are with you, sister. Pray on. We are here to sit and enjoy. <laughs> (laughs) 
when you say, yes, it's cold, but no, no more blanket prayer. I'm going to come out. Oh, yes. Demon say, uh-uh. Oh, oh. Go back, pray that prayer. That's, that's the one we like, not this walking up and down. <laughs> say, neighbor. Hey. hey. Say, Lambano. Lambano. Abundance of grace. Abundance of grace. So not every Christian is reigning. Not every Christian is reigning. I know we cannot talk about verses. Oh, we are a royal priesthood. A peculiar people. I know those verses front, back, back, front. I know them. But you are lying. You are not reigning. Because only those that receive abundance of grace uh-huh. and the gift of righteousness shall what? Shall reign in life by one. Which is the one? Jesus Christ. So if something defeated you and you were feeling the way I used to feel myself, I'm like, how? Why? How? Oh no. How, how, how am I going to preach about healing yes. when my sister Hasn't been healed. If you feel like that, let me give you the secret. Go back there. Go back there. Lambano more grace. Lambano more grace. Are you hearing me? Take more what? Grace. Until you have got what? Abundance of grace. When you enter into that dimension where you've got abundance of grace. Mm. Mm. Oh, yes. Mm. Mm. Say neighbor. Abundance, abundance of grace. And we look at Jesus. He was doing all those miracles. We don't know that that was his secret. Wow. Yes. Should I prove it to you? Yes. Should I? Yes. No. Because of time. I'll give you the verse, but I'll not explain it. And the word was made fresh. And he dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father. What is the next verse? What is the next part? Uh, talk to me. What is the next part? You are suspect. For the sake of that one and that one. Can you give us John chapter 1 uh, verse 14, 15, 16. One, two, three, go. What does it say? And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Full of what? Grace. Full! He didn't just come with a bit of grace. He didn't come with just a little bit. The man he was, the time he was coming, he was loaded. Full of grace. So when the Bible says abundant of grace, abundance, of, yeah, I know what I'm talking about. He came full of what? Grace. The next verse tells that John bare record of him. And he cried, he's saying, This is of whom this is he of whom I speak. He that cometh after me is preferred before me. For he was before me, and of his fullness. Hey. And of his what? Fullness. Of his what? Fullness. Have all we 
received. What have we received? From where? Of his fullness. So you see, you pray for people, people don't get healed. You've got little grace. Only enough for you. If you've got only enough for you, God will not take it that and give it to someone else. Yes, amen. You do not minister from what you live on. Amen. You minister from the abundance. Oh, yes. So you've got this little grace and you want to be using it for ministry. Ministry will minister to you. Are you hearing me? Oh, yes. That's why there are so many pastors out there who are bent out. Ministry has ministered it to them. Yes. Now they have to use some psychology, some, some sociology. Yes. That's right. Ministry is busy ministering to them. You do not minister from the grace you live on. You minister from the what? Abundance. Abundance. Oh, yes. Abundance. Someone say abundance of grace. Abundance of grace. Rise on your feet. Say, oh Lord. Oh Lord. Now I know. Now I know. The secret. The secret. To reigning in life. To reigning in life. It's abundance of grace. It's abundance of grace. And the gift of righteousness. And the gift of righteousness. I make a commitment today. I make a commitment today. I will pursue them. I will pursue them. In the name of Jesus. Thank you for listening. To keep in touch with our ministry, visit our website at www.streams.org.au and follow us on all social media platforms at streams.international. It is a blessing to share with you all our prophetic revelation teachings and it's our prayer to see you transform into mature sons of God. Share this podcast with your friends and family. Be blessed and until next time, Shalom.